Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. time and the right season, and um, I want you to join me, if you will, this evening in the book of John, chapter 14, and just pray that the hand of God and His voice will just speak something into our spirit tonight. I don't have anything new to bring you. There's nothing new under the sun. That's what Solomon said, but I have prayed for a fresh anointing, and I do feel that I'm in the will of the Lord tonight. The book of John chapter 14 and verse number 16. The Bible says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. Praise God. Amen. The words of Jesus given to us in the writings of John. Amen. You, you know him. You know him. For he dwelleth with you. But Jesus said, but he shall be in you. And uh, with the help of the Lord tonight, I want to talk about the key called Pentecost. The key called Pentecost. I'm thankful for Pentecost. And so I, I realize we may brush by a few things that you've already heard, things you already believe, but I believe that the Spirit of God and the day we're living, I'm asking Him to just underline things, underscore them, because winds, a, a, a winds, a sailing winds are trying to shake loose the foundation. Amen. I want to make sure I've got the fundamentals in my heart. Amen. God bless you, and you can be seated. From the beginning of time... We are clear and confident that the Spirit of the Lord has filled the earth. We know that on many fronts. And while there is a distinct difference in how the Spirit moved in the Old Testament versus how the Spirit of the Lord moved in the New Testament, there has always been a divine finger, if I could just say it that way, that's pointing forward. There is something coming. And so the church is not at its final destination. There is still that pointing finger of God that is pointing us to an even brighter and better day. One reason we can know this is from the words of the Lord himself. And it is repeated multiple times in the book of John. There just seems to be this theme in the book of John, we can find it in the 14th, the 15th, and the 16th chapters. And so one of them would be a part of our text that we read in the 16th verse. He shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. In John 14, 26, the, the scripture says, but the comforter shall teach you. 
In John 15 and 26, the Bible says, when the comforter has come, he shall testify of me. In John 16 and 7, the Bible says, it is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the comforter will not come. And so there is this ever projection of what is coming, this that is coming to the church. And so Jesus spoke freely and without shame about the promises of the future. As a matter of fact, in the Gospel of Luke chapter 24 and verse 49, the Bible says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye at this, in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And we will find this same thing repeated again in the book of Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Jesus commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. But he said, wait for the promise of the Father, which ye have heard of me. And then this is where we record or find the record of John, of the, saying, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. There was something coming. There was something on the cusp of our tomorrow. And so we will see this again, that in the book of Acts chapter 1, not only did they hear the words, Luke 24, tarry in Jerusalem till you be endued with power from on high. And then again in Acts 1 and 4 and 5, this instruction for them to go and, and wait on the promise of the Lord. But we not only see them hear this, but if we continue to read in Acts 1, verses 13 and 14, they didn't just hear the word, but they obeyed the word. They did, in fact, they did, in fact, go to Jerusalem and they did tarry until they were endued with this power that was spoken about. The Bible says in John 7, 38, he quotes the Lord as saying, he that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly or out of his body shall flow rivers of living water. Now, this can all seem mystical uh, to those who don't really understand the power of the Holy Ghost. Certainly could have seemed mystical to those who were hearing these words, but there was this pointing finger that was saying, something is going to happen, and out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Well, we, we are sitting on this side, the culmination of that promise, and so it makes complete sense to us to hear something like that because we know the end of the story. But when he said that, he that believeth on me as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. John doesn't leave us hanging because in the very next verse, the very next verse 39, he interprets this passage of scripture. John 7, 39, but this spake he of the spirit which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. And so John was talking about a visitation that was to come, that was to come. I am thankful today to be a part of the kingdom of God to which the voice of God is still directing. Amen, amen. We have not reached the pinnacle of all there is and we have not experienced the sum total of everything that God has in store for us. John was speaking about that visitation that was still to come. These statements were not really overshadowed in complete mystery or mysticism. 
These words, while they couldn't wrap their minds around how this is going to come about or what's this all going to look like or what it's all going to feel like, these were not words so clouded in mystery that they had no ability to relate. And the reason I say that is because there have been so many prophecies talking about that which was to come. And so while, uh, you know, I, I, there are some people that just can, they have a, they're visionaries and they can, they can picture something finished before it's finished. Uh, I, can, I can hear people talk about all kinds of things, but I just don't have the ability to paint all of those pictures in my mind. And then after it starts coming together, then I can say then, oh, now I see. And so if I were in that group, I would be one of those. It would have to start coming together in order for me to be able to, outside of something supernatural, for me to be able to see what this is going to look like when it happens. And maybe there was a lot of, of imagination of how this is going to be. But there have been so many prophecies before. And so until when Jesus starts talking about this and John starts confirming this, I will tell you while people may not have been able to have a 100% clear picture of exactly how it's going to unfold he was, he was not speaking in parables to the degree that they could not believe something was going to happen. Because Isaiah has been talking about this. Major and minor prophets have been pointing to all of this. One such instance would certainly be found in the book of Joel chapter 2. Joel 2 and 28 and 29. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions and also upon the servants and upon the handmaids, in those days will I pour out my spirit. And so here we see it colored in just a little bit, a little darker. Some of the corners, it's all coming together. I'm going to pour my spirit out upon all flesh. That would have been a, myst, a, a very confusing or, or mystifying statement because the spirit of God had not necessarily been poured out upon all flesh at that moment. Joel was speaking about this very powerful Moment or this very powerful event that was to come. And then John, John joins him in, in, the, in the writings of, in the words of Jesus speaking about this powerful event that was to come. And John confirms that. He's speaking about the Holy Ghost. Each of these men are speaking about a day when the Spirit of God is going to be poured out on everyone. Now that's the key is on everyone. Because the Spirit of God has always been moving. And I don't want to get ahead of myself, but it was, it was this, this all-inclusive statement that would have been hard to wrap your mind that everybody would have access to the power of God. This would indeed leave room for questions. How would something like that even take place? John said in his interpretation of that passage, this spake Jesus of the spirit which they believed that which they that believed on him should receive, but he's saying, but the Holy Spirit was not yet given. Now that gives room for pause. In just what way was the Holy Spirit not given? I ask that because as, as I said a moment ago, that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God, has been in this world from the moment of creation. The Spirit of God is in the Old Testament just like he's in the New Testament. This is not something new that the world has never been able to behold because when we open our Bibles and we begin reading in the book of Genesis chapter one, 
We're just barely in. We are just at the very launch pad of the word of God. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And here it is. And the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. There's always been. From the very moment of of beginnings, there's always been the spirit of God. And the spirit of God has always been moving. I'm thankful to be serving a God that is still moving. And I'm thankful to be a part of the kingdom of God that is dynamic And I'm going to tell you, if you want to get left behind, all you got to do is decide you're not moving anymore. You're just going to stand still and it won't be long. You'll be left in the dust because the Spirit of God is moving and the kingdom of God is ever edging forward. We're going somewhere. The Lord is taking the church. Amen. So the Spirit brought glory out of chaos. The Bible talks about void, filled with darkness. There was this nothingness, this mass of nothingness, but the Spirit began to move on this chaos and brought absolute order. The Spirit brought glory out of chaos. I know I have mentioned this over the last few weeks a few times, but the book of Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 21 reminds us of how we even have the Word of God. And, and I, I think the reason that's in my heart to keep underlining this is because we're living in a world that is desperately trying to discredit the Word of God. This is not just another book. Amen. While you can find it in a library and while you can buy it in a bookstore and you can buy it online, right beside any other book you could buy, this is not just another ordinary book. Amen. Simon Peter said that holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Also, Paul said in 2 Timothy 3.16 that all scripture is inspired of God. Or a literal interpretation of that. I preached about this a few weeks ago. That the all the, the word of God, the scripture is God breathed. It is it is not the whim of man. It is not just some mystical idea that that mankind just thought. Well, this sounds good. I'll put this together. I'll pin this. No. The word of God that we have, it came from men that were moved on by the spirit of God. Something pressed in their spirit. And these men blended their voices to remind us of something very significant. Amen. That is that all the revelation of the Old Testament was given by the Spirit of God. And all the inspiration of the New Testament was given by that self-same Spirit. And the difference between revelation and inspiration is this. is that revelation refers to content. For example, in creation, no one was there. Adam had not been created. He wasn't created until the sixth day. So how would we know about creation except God would reveal that? That is revelation. However, inspiration was writing it down. The fact that we have the inerrant record of what God has revealed came to us as the Holy Ghost moved on men. They were inspired of the Spirit of God. And so Simon Peter says these men of the Old Testament did not invent their message. They didn't create this, but they, the holy men of God spake as they were moved on by the Spirit of God. I pray that that never leaves the church. Amen. I, I know that we have the word of God, but I'm thankful, I'm thankful for the written word of God, but I also appreciate the Rema 
Word of God. Amen. I, I pray that the Lord would always let inspiration come to what we're doing. We want to study and we want to make sure that what we're presenting is palatable. We want to make sure that what we're presenting is in a way that people can digest. But I will tell you that I don't want to just come and share what I feel like the Lord gave me yesterday or last night or this morning or this afternoon. I pray that while we're delivering the Word of God that we can be moved on by the Holy Ghost and the Lord can and speak something into our spirit that didn't come from a written page. It didn't just come from the mind of man, but it came by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. I've shared this story many times through the years. It's been a long time, I think, since I've shared it. But, but I remember many years ago, I was preaching a meeting in Tennessee. And uh, the spirit of the Lord was moving in such a powerful and a very unique way that night. And while I was preaching, uh, I stepped down off of the platform and I was kind of headed to where Brother Everett is sitting there tonight. And uh, the spirit of God was just moving. I, I don't mean something that was shallow or something that was uh, j just, a, just in an ordinary fashion. There was something incredible. And the spirit of the Lord began to move upon me. There was another uh, minister that was sitting right where Brother Everett is, much like Brother Everett. He wasn't the pastor of the church, but he was a faithful minister in that church. And so as the Spirit of the Lord began to move on me, I began to say things that I had never thought about saying before. Now, I was, wasn't speaking in tongues. I was speaking in English, but it was not something that I had thought about. It wasn't something that was in my prepared notes. It wasn't something that I'd read in a book, but as I began to walk toward this way, the Spirit of the Lord began to speak. And that man's, that man's name was Brother Dwight. And uh, Brother Dwight stood, he stood while I was walking toward him and the Holy Ghost just began to move on him and he began to say simultaneous to what I was saying, we were speaking the same exact words. Amen, I'm gonna tell you that the Spirit, amen, was moving and the Lord was giving a word to that church or to that particular meeting that night. And so I say, Lord, let that Holy Spirit that moved upon men to write the word, I'm not talking about adding to this book, but I'm talking about a rema, a fresh word for that moment, for that night. I believe that God can touch those that are standing behind this desk. Hallelujah. Touch my mind. Touch the ministers in our church. Let the Holy Ghost move on us and let us speak as we are moved on by the Spirit of God. I want to just get up here and talk about politics. I don't want to just get up here and talk about the social or economic status of our world. I don't have my head buried in the sand about those things, but what we need is not a regurgitation of Fox News or CNN. Amen. What we need is a Rima word of God. Amen. Speak to us. Meet us in this house. Meet us in this place. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Let the power of the Holy Ghost move and speak to us in this day. Amen. And by this, we can certainly see the Spirit of God in the Old Testament. Many times in the New Testament, the apostles were quoting because you got to remember that in the New Testament, they didn't have a New Testament. Amen. All they had was the Old Testament. And so, yes, they're quoting prophets of old. They're quoting from back there as the Spirit saith. Amen, or, or, or anything that the Spirit of God in the Old Testament is there, it's there for us to consider. It's not a book for back then, a book for another people. It is as relevant today as it's ever been. It served the Spirit of God in the Old Testament. The Spirit of God served much as it serves today. 
And that is that the Spirit of God serves as a great resistor, a great barrier to sin in the flood of sin and corruption that threatens to engulf the world from the beginning. I will tell you that that flood that is trying to threaten and always been a threat to the world, that threat is being held back by the power of the Spirit of God. Hear me today. Again, I think I may have said this a few weeks ago, but I will tell you that that the the spirit of evil that is in our world, it kind of shocks us. It takes our breath. We wonder just where will this all end? Well, let me tell you that there is a line. There is a place where sin has to stop, and that's because God has the church still on this earth. Amen. The Spirit of the Lord, the power of God. You know what I'm doing tonight? I'm not preaching to entertain you. I'm not just preaching to to, to inform you or, or preach tonight or teach to help underline a few things in your mind. Hopefully all of those things are going on. But let me tell you something else is going on in the spirit world right now. Amen. I'm declaring, thus saith the word of God. And I'm joining a host of pastors and ministers right now that are declaring the word of God. I'm preaching about the key called Pentecost tonight. Somebody else may be preaching about something completely different, but I'll tell you what's going on. Amen. The preach word of God, the spirit of God is withstanding sin. It is withstanding the evil that is in our world. Hallelujah. Don't ever sit down on the preacher. Don't ever make anybody struggle to preach the word of God. You know why? It's more than about that message and it's more than about that service. We need to speak into the atmosphere, amen, the unfathomable word of God, that it would stay the power of sin. Amen, we look at Genesis chapter six and we we find in verse number three that the Lord said, my spirit will not always strive with man. Amen, the Lord talks about giving the 120 years in which to repent, but if he doesn't repent, he said, my spirit is gonna cease striving. After this, the flood came and only Noah and his family were saved. Amen. Because of the great restrainer of this world against sin is the Holy Spirit of God. And it has been from the beginning. From the very beginning, the Holy Ghost. Amen. We know the Spirit of God of the New Testament. Understanding that the Spirit of God has always been. Always been. And so the Bible says in Isaiah 59 and 19 that when the enemy shall come in like a flood. What? When the enemy shall come in like a flood, that's the time to bite our knuckles, our nails off to the first knuckle. When the enemy comes in like a flood, that's when we are to look for a foxhole. When the enemy comes in like a flood, that's when we are to run for the hills. No, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. And so I will tell you that the flood of sin will never be so high that the spirit of God is not higher. Hallelujah. The spirit of the Lord shall raise up a standard. How high? High enough. Amen. High, high. How high? It will be enough. It will be enough to withstand and stay sin. Someone may wonder how how the corruption and the sin of our day doesn't destroy the whole world. There's enough adults in this house tonight that I can freely say that many of us, if not all of us, never dreamed that we would live long enough to see sin as rampant as bold and as blatant as it is in the streets of our nation and around the world today. 
and we wonder, oh God, where will this end? Oh Lord, where will this come to an end? Is it going? Is sin just going to keep encroaching until it takes us over? Is sin going to be like a tsunami or some sort of rising tide that the church or the Spirit of God cannot do anything about it? Let me just go ahead and answer. Amen. Just like the literal waves of the ocean, the Lord, those waves are going to lap up so far, but the Spirit of God, you can't see it. Amen. You can't overhear the conversation, but if you could, you could stand on the shore of the beach. You could stand on the any shore you want to stand on, and every time that late wave leaps up to that point, amen, the Spirit of the Lord said, that's far enough. That's as far as you're going, and I'm going to tell you that there is a, there is a sinful nature in this world. There is a darkness in this world, but can I tell you that when it laps up on the beach of our life, and our mind, and our heart, you can't see it, you can't hear it, but there is a voice of God that is saying, right here, and it will be no further, because I've got a church Hallelujah. Because my spirit is on the earth, in the earth. Because my spirit is in man. It is this far and no further. It is this far and no further. My. Praise God. Well, I talked about my page number Sunday, and I don't want to get into that again. But it's not looking good. Amen. So let's consider how Pentecost made the difference. At Pentecost, the Spirit of God just simply moved into a new house. In the Old Testament, the Lord came and He dwelled in the tabernacle. Genesis, or rather, Exodus 25 and 9, the Lord told Moses to make the tabernacle. He said, after the pattern that I have showed thee in heaven. Amen. Make it right here. This is the pattern. I want it to be just like this. So the Lord laid out the pattern of the tabernacle and Moses built it according to the word of the Lord. But after it was complete, if we could just pause the frame right there, if we could just reach up and pause the picture when the last tent nail had been driven and when the last skin had been stretched, when it was completed, if we stopped the frame right there, it was just an empty tent. That's all it was. It was just an empty tent. But then Exodus 40 and 34 says, But a cloud <laughs> covered the tent of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. It was filled so much in verse number 35 that the Bible says that Moses could not or was not able to enter into the tent because the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Hallelujah. Just a moment ago, it was a tent. It was an empty tent. You could have said, well, it's this kind of skin and this kind of stick and it's this kind of tent stake and it's this and it's that. But it was just an empty shell until the Spirit of the Lord moved in. But when the Spirit of the Lord moved in, it became far more than just a tent. According to Exodus 13 and 21, there was a pillar of fire by night and a cloud of fire by day. Or a pillar of cloud by day. That's how the Lord dwelt in this old crude tabernacle. However, according to the word of God, if we just keep moving forward, we've got this old crude tabernacle, but as time marched on, as generations went on and on and on, here comes Solomon. And Solomon's got a desire to build a house of God. It was really the fulfillment of something his father, David, had always wanted to do. And I'm going to tell you, Solomon knew how to get something done. And Solomon built a temple. And if you've ever read about the building of Solomon's temple you know that it was a marvelous temple and some estimate that it would take billions of dollars to replicate that today and yet with all of its gold and with all of its silver and with all 
of its precious stones if we get to the moment that it's finished and the last stone has been put in place if you freeze the frame right there and we just walk up and it's just an empty building it's just it's a marvelous building but it's just a building hallelujah it was just a building of mortar it was just a building of stone it was just a building of jewels until something happened in first kings chapter 8 in verse number 10, and it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place that the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priests could not stand to minister because of that cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. Are you with me tonight? Amen. The glory of the Lord. It wasn't the gold. It wasn't the silver. It wasn't the majesty. It wasn't the columns. It wasn't any of the trimmings. That's not what made the house of God the house of God. It was the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. That's how, my, my, that's why Solomon, Solomon could pray in his dedicatory prayer and say, oh God, if a man fails you in sin and they can't get back to this house, if they could just look toward this house. He wasn't saying if they could look toward gold or look toward silver or look toward onyx. He wasn't talking about if they could just look toward the pillars. He said, Lord, if they can turn to you, if they can turn their minds and their hearts and their lives back to your spirit, praise God. That's what made the tabernacle great. I want to tell you what makes church church what makes church church is not whose name is on the sign what makes church church is not who's holding the microphone what makes church church is the power of a living God the spirit of a holy and a righteous God that's what makes church church was the burning presence of God. That's what made the difference. And that's the way it was in the Old Testament. But now we make our way to the New Testament at Pentecost. The Lord now is moving into a new house, into a new tabernacle, into a new temple. And what is that tabernacle to which God moved into? Several New Testament, several New Testament writers address the new temple to the Ephesians, Paul said, we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into an holy temple of the Lord, in whom ye also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Simon Peter, chapter 2 and verse 5 says, ye also as lively stones are built up into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. When Paul was addressing the church in Corinth, in chapter 3 and verse 16, Paul asked a very powerful, pointed question. Know you not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? Did you, did you not know that? So at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came into a new house. And just as the tabernacle was just an empty tent until the Spirit filled it, and just like Solomon's temple was just an empty building until the Spirit of God filled it, so was the soul of man until the Spirit of God filled it. Like the valley of dry bones. <laughs> when Ezekiel stepped out, can these bones live? Thou knowest. <laughs> Thou knowest. That was part of the, one of the best answers ever. Thou knowest. And so he just began to speak 
in obedience to the word of God, bone to bone, sinew, muscle, skin, prophesy to the wind because it's still just a dead army of men laying on the ground. Although miraculous, still a dead army of men laying on the ground. Amen. That valley of dry bones became a living army. That's what happened at Pentecost. The church would be gathered here tonight, and we could be gathered here right now with just all our members, and we could have all the trappings that it would take to have church. We could have the pews and the songs, and we could have all the things that we need to make the church the church. But if we don't have the Spirit of God, we would be without hope. This would be another club. This would be just something else to do on Wednesday and Sunday. Amen. I believe that people should be able to distinctly tell the difference. When the Lord came into the tabernacle, the Bible says in its description of the Spirit of God, a cloud. The Bible says there was something that people could see. But there also must have been something people could feel because the Bible says that Moses couldn't even go in because of the presence of the Lord. So you could both see and feel. And so Moses saw the glory of the Lord. Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. And in Acts chapter 2, when they were obedient to the word, they didn't just hear the word, but they were obedient to the word and they did go to Jerusalem and they did tarry until they were due with, and due with power from on high. The Bible says there was a sound. There was something you could see. There was something you could feel. And there was something you could hear. Praise God. The people could see the glory of the Lord. It looked like, the Bible says, cloven tongues of fire began to set on each of them. The first difference that Pentecost made was that the Holy Spirit moved into a new house and into that new tabernacle, this new temple in the congregation of the Lord. And people could see in a physical sense, hear in a physical sense, and feel in a physical sense the power and the glory of God. I don't know why my mind is going down all these old routes but I just want to share something I know I've shared somewhere at some point but it's been a long time but I just got to thinking about it today about how the glory of the Lord began to fill the temple and my wife and I were in a meeting many years ago in South Louisiana and I was preaching at the end of that service the spirit of the Lord just began to move and the power of God and people were just just lost in the Holy Ghost. I'm not talking about something weird and crazy. I'm talking about something very substantial, very significant. The Spirit of God just began to move. And it was as, as the people began to continue to entertain that presence of God. And the church was in prayer, just lost in prayer. Nobody was worried about McDonald's closing. Nobody was worried about what was going on at Dairy Queen. Nobody was worried about what time I got to get up in the morning. Somebody had forgotten all of that, slipped off into the sweet by and by, and just began to pray. And we entered into a season and a, a place of prayer that was unique. And the church that we were preaching, they had a balcony. And I felt led to go up in the balcony of the church to pray for some people that were there. And as I made my way up to the balcony, I turned and I looked back. Now, I think you know me well enough to know that I wouldn't tell you some half-truth. 
Amen. I'm not talking about something that may have been, might have been. I'm talking about something that's real. And I have a witness sitting right here that I'm going home with in just a little while. Amen. As I turned and I looked back over that audience, there was a fog, a cloud, a literal cloud that began to move across the front, the altar area of that church. And anybody in that church, we were all talking about it after church. You said, well, I don't know. That's a little bit weird. Isn't it strange that people can see devils all day long and nobody think anything about it? Amen. People can see the devil behind every little thing, everything in the world. But if anybody thinks they've seen anything in the spirit, we kind of want to put them off in a corner. But I'm going to tell you as I stand before you tonight, sound of mind. Amen. I am clothed in my right mind that the spirit of the Lord began to move in that house. And we didn't just feel the presence of God. Amen. And we didn't just, we didn't just hear the sound of God, but we saw a holy visitation of the presence of God. That is never happened before and it's never happened since but I just want to go on record and say I'm open Lord for it to happen again amen because I believe the key called Pentecost was the spirit of God amen was made available to come into our heart Amen, we used to sing the little song, amen, into my heart, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. It's not just a child's song, amen. I want the church to stand and say, Lord, come into my heart. Come into my heart to stay. Come in today, come in to stay. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. I wanna feel you, I wanna sense you, I wanna hear you, but I wanna see you as well. Thank God. <laughs> Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Mighty God, mighty God. Amen, I'm just gonna tell you tonight, amen, if I never see it again, it's not gonna change my faith, it's not gonna change my vision, it's not gonna change my hope. The Lord don't have to wet something to prove something to me, he don't have to make it dry to prove something to me. I've got his word, his word is enough, but I'm glad, I'm glad that he will make bare his arm. I'm glad he's not ashamed to let you know he's in the house. I'm glad that we can hear him and feel him and see him. I'm glad to know the manifestations of the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I'll ask you to stand. Our musicians to come maybe. And considering the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the Old Testament the Spirit of God came upon just a select few individuals and the spirit most generally in the Old Testament was for designated purposes so just follow me for a few more minutes for example we can see where the spirit of the Lord moved on people for certain things you begin reading through the first books of the Bible and when the Lord needed a carpenter the spirit of the Lord moved and he gave that ability Somebody needed, he needed a stonemason. The Lord would move in a certain household and, and God would get from them what he needed. And we needed a blacksmith and we needed a goldsmith and on and on and on and on. The Spirit of the Lord would move. Certain artists and genius or craftsmanship. The Bible says in the book of Judges chapter 6 that the Spirit of God came upon Gideon when he blew the trumpet. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. The Bible talks about Samson, that at times the Spirit of the Lord would move on him. 
the Spirit of God came on Daniel and Daniel would prophesy. But it was just here and there. And it was for select purposes. The Spirit of God came upon when, when Moses was, was leading the children and he, and he realized that this is just too much for one person. The Bible talks about that the Lord took of Moses, the anointing of Moses, not from Moses. He took the anointing of Moses and he placed it upon 70 men. And he gave them the ability to be administrator. Or he gave them administrative prowess, if I could say it that way. And the Spirit of the Lord moved on them because Moses is going to kill himself if he's trying to do this by himself. And so the Lord moved on them and gave them for that, what they needed for that season. But again, it was for a particular purpose and for just those few people. But how different it is today because of the key called Pentecost. <laughs> Acts, 20, Acts 2 and 39, speaking of the Holy Ghost, the promise unto you and to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I know you're standing, and I know we're at the tipping point of dismissing, but please let me read one more passage of Scripture and give me your undivided attention, please. Revelation 22 and 17, the Bible says that the Spirit and the Bride... Say, come. And let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. In other words, that there is this, this uh, declaration that is going forth that is saying, this is to whosoever will. It, it doesn't matter what side of the social or economic line you're on. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you drive. It doesn't matter what you wear. It doesn't matter where you live. But I think it is imperative, and this is why I need you to hear me. It is imperative to understand who is making this declaration. It is the Spirit and the bride. Who is the bride? The church. And so it's not just enough for the Spirit to compel people, but the bride needs to say, Come. There ought to be a sense. Of welcome in every local church when people walk in the door and they are to feel it I'm going to tell you how we pray around here we pray for people to feel peace when they drive in the parking lot and to feel hope when they walk into the, on the front porch amen and to feel family when they walk through the door you know why because there needs to be a culmination not just of the spirit I know, I've, I know I shared this with you, but just several weeks ago, there was a young lady who's been attending our church now for several weeks who said, I was riding down the road on 349 and I saw the church sign and something spoke to me and said, this is where you need to go to church. And she started, she hooked her wagon to our, to our church. It, you know what? It was, the, it was the spirit that was saying, come. But we could have met her at the door and said, go away. We could have met her at the door and say, no, you're going to mess up our situation, us four and no more deal. Amen. It needs to be the spirit and the bride that say, come. Hallelujah. Amen. If you need the Holy Ghost, this ought to be the bride saying, come on. We'll not only help you receive the Holy Ghost, we'll help you get discipled. We'll help you grow in the Lord. Hallelujah. I think that there ought to be a twofold welcome. There ought to be the Spirit of God that says, come on. And there ought to be the bride that said, we didn't think you was ever going to get here. Hallelujah. The bride ought to be saying, welcome, 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 welcome. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Let's just worship the Lord, shall we?
Amen. Let's magnify the Lord in every house. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.